The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones, when taking their lamps, brought no oil with them, but the wise brought flasks of oil with their lamps. Since the bridegroom was long delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight there was a cry, Behold the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise ones replied, No, for there may not be enough for us and you. Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. While they went off to buy it, The bridegroom came, and those who were ready went into the wedding feast with him. Then the door was locked. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he said in reply, Amen, I say to you, I do not know you. Therefore, stay awake. For you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Father Sean Kilcauley, and I serve the Diocese as the Family Life Office Director. And for the last couple of years, I've lived at St. John's in Lincoln. For the last couple of days, I've lived across the street. And, uh, and it's really a great joy to be with you. And today's gospel always convicts me because I am a great procrastinator. a great procrastinator. And I find myself, you know, making myself over busy and I have done this in the past and and at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I should get that thing done before I go to bed, but I'm really tired. So I'll just get up at like four in the morning and I'll get it done. Then I hit the snooze at four in the morning. Sometimes I've found myself saying like, "I'll, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. And when our Lord exhorts the people, he's exhorting them to be vigilant. He's exhorting them to not not procrastinate. And he uses this example of these virgins who sort of think, well, I have enough oil. I can go get some later. The bridegroom's not coming. But he calls us to always be ready to meet him. 
right? To always be ready to meet him. You know, I think it also convicts me because I remember being in college and I went to the military academy at West Point and I was on this retreat and, and I had been struggling a lot at that time with, you know, do I leave West Point and go to the seminary? I think God wants me to be a priest, but I'm stuck here in the military. And, and I went on this retreat and I was playing Bible roulette. So Bible roulette is when you just open the Bible and you point at a verse and you read that verse. So I open the Bible and I point at this verse and it's the seventh chapter of the book of Sirach and it says, delay not your conversion to the Lord. And I was like, ugh. Then I'm filled with like fear and awe and all these things and I, I go to the priest who was running the retreat and I was like, I just opened the Bible and it said this. And he looks at me and goes, okay. Like, he didn't really, like, jump on that one. And I found, like most of us, that there are often times that I procrastinate in my conversion. And I can procrastinate in my conversion. And the most important thing for us to be vigilant about is our conversion, is falling more in love with our Lord. Falling more in love with our Lord. Like I often say to married couples, like you should always be looking to fall more in love with each other. You know, what if there's a married couple and they were just like, I love you like enough. Maximum. We're kind of done. Yuck. Like there's, some, there's, some, there's something more. And there's something more with Jesus as well. And I think one of the biggest obstacles to growing in our conversion is grief. It's grief. It's when we suffer losses. It becomes an obstacle to our conversion. Last week we heard from the Beatitudes, and the first Beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirits. Blessed are those who realize I have nothing, because then the only person I can go to is our Lord. The second Beatitude is blessed are those who mourn. There's something blessed in mourning, and grief is really important. And I never really understood that very well. My mother died when I was two. And I don't think anybody ever taught me how to grieve or how to, how to deal with that. I do remember being maybe four or five years old or going to kindergarten and, and somebody would say, what's your name? And I would say, my name's Sean, my mom died. And I was kind of that kid, I would go around telling everybody, my mom died. Because I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to like express something of grief or something of loss. And I probably said it to a lot of people and they were like, that's awkward. Uh... Because sometimes grief is hard to confront. And my father died when I was one year ordained on the anniversary of my ordination, basically. 
And, and at that time, I was immediately transferred to North American Martyrs in Lincoln, and the pastor went away for three months. And so, you know, like a good workaholic kind of emotionally constipated person, I didn't really, like, grieve. I just kind of threw myself into the parish work. Four years later, when I went to grad school, that hit me. Like, all the grief hit me. Because I'd procrastinated grieving. And when we procrastinate grieving, it just turns into anger, and it turns into, like, self-focus, and, and I'm looking at my pain all the time. Now, and we live currently in a time where there's lots of things to grieve. You know, there's lots of things to grieve. But none of us really like to do it. You know, when I was a seminarian, we would have these formation conferences, and they'd say something like this, like, you have to grieve your celibacy. I'm like, you have to grieve your celibacy. What are you talking about? That sounds stupid. And then a couple of years ago, I realized that you know, every time I went to my brother's for Christmas, my brother lives in Des Moines, he has like three small children, and I would go there and I'd be around his family and I'd be watching him with his daughter and his daughter kind of looks like him and, and it's all really beautiful and it was striking my heart. And then I would drive home and I'd be kind of resentful. I'd be like, like well, he gets to have that, I don't have that. And what would it be like if I had children? And, and what if I married my high school girlfriend? My life would be so much different. And, and I'm thinking about all these things and I'm just having like a resentment about what I don't have. And so about two years ago, I realized, okay, I have to grieve, like, I have to grieve that. Like, I don't have it, which means I have to grieve in some way. I have to let myself feel that. And so I was with him and his family and I was noticing these things and I'm starting to feel this kind of sadness for what I don't have. And, and I just kind of said, like, I just feel really sad right now. Just kind of grieving. And I gave that to our Lord, which is really simple. It just sounds like this. Like, Jesus, I give you the life where I'm married and I have children and I have little kids that look like me. And I just invite you into my life as a priest. And then my heart was filled with this kind of joy for what my brother has and for the family that he has and, and for my role in their family and for little people who call me Uncle Father Sean and, you know, want to play that game. Like, we get to punch you and you can't do anything, right? That's my niece's favorite game. And there was just a lot more joy in that because I was able to see that God wants to give me a gift. But I can only see that if I let myself sort of surrender like the way I wish things were. And the current state of affairs is like, there's too many things. It's just like too many things, right? Like half of the country is grieving the election results. And fear can come in. Things in the diocese haven't been the way I ever imagined they would be in the last two years. 
Maybe the Huskers aren't who we thought they would be in the last two years. And of course, like you're grieving your pastor. And it's proper to grieve that. It's proper to say, I'm sorry for your loss. And if we don't grieve it, it just can turn into anger and resentment and we can be closed off from what our Lord wants to do. Like Father Faulkner is my dear friend. I've been friends with him for 21 years. And my first memory of him, uh, I showed up at the seminary. I was a 25-year-old army ranger, super squared away. I get greeted by this skinny 19-year-old redheaded kid who starts ordering me around and telling me what to do. And, uh, and it took a little while, but we, could be, we became good friends. I think it was when I was teaching him to chew tobacco. It's a good story, I can tell you later. And especially like the last, the last three or four years, um, I've been very close with him, and I talk to him every single day. Close to every single day. And I talked to him on the phone yesterday, two, two days ago, I talked to him on the phone, and, um, and he said something I thought was really beautiful, and I, I was just so glad to hear him say this. And, and he really said, you know, I was in prayer, and I... I realize, like, there's something, there might be something God wants for me right now, where I am. And, and there's something that God wants for the people at St. Wenceslas right now. Like, there's something, there's something God wants to give them right now. And that's what it means to grieve with hope. Right? To grieve with hope. St. Paul said in the second reading, we do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, about those who have fallen asleep so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. To grieve without hope is to turn to self-pity, resentment, anger, focusing on our loss. To grieve with hope means to experience a loss and allow our Lord to fill that space and recognizing that we will be reunited in his kingdom. To grieve with hope means that we're vigilant and looking for, like, what does our Lord want to do right now? Because our Lord has a plan. Our Lord has a plan for our country. Our Lord has a plan for your parish, our Lord has a plan for your life. And, and his promise is that he will return a hundredfold the things that we've lost. But our part in that is to be vigilant and looking for him to come and asking like, okay, Jesus, what are you doing right now? None of this makes sense to me, but I trust you. What are you doing right now? 
And our Lord gives us tools to learn how to do that and tools to learn how to grieve. One of those tools is Psalm 22, which our Lord prayed from the cross. He said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Later in the same psalm, my enemies surround me. I'm a worm and not a man. And there's this expression of the feeling of loss. Blessed are those who mourn. Because right after that, he's able to say, the psalmist is able to say, and we're able to say, you know, but you are God, and I'm not God. And I trust you. And I know that you will take care of me because you've always taken care of me and you've always taken care of your church. And there's something great that our Lord wants in all of our lives. But the only way to find that is to be open. To let ourselves experience the one who meets us in our losses, who meets us in our grief, who fills the empty space that's left behind by the ones that we love. And he will do that. No matter what it is that that isn't the way we thought it should be, whether that's our country, the church, the local church, our family, whatever it is that isn't the way we think it should be. And we just say, Jesus, I just give you my own idea of life and help me to live the life that you want from me. And we too can be filled with that joy as we realize the gifts that our Lord has given us. And so today, let us pray that that we experience the promise of those beatitudes, that we experience the promise, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And that we stay vigilant in looking for the ways that our Lord is showing up in our lives and, and that we're looking for the way that our Lord wants to transform our country, our parish, our family that we may experience that true joy that comes from hope and be images of that joy to each person that we encounter.